You're listening to the teaching ministry of Discovery Church in Bristol, Tennessee. For more information about Discovery, or for more free audio content, please visit discoverybristol.com. And so, we, we go dive in today of looking at our place in his story. That's kind of our theme here at Discovery, is discover Jesus and your place in his story. And we see that all throughout this book of Acts, that different people have been finding their place in his story. And part of that is finding this passion. Part of it is finding something exciting. Part of it is finding something that lights your fire. And so we see that. I saw that this week in the college students that are working Windshape. There's 28 students that travel for nine weeks. And they get up at 4.30 in the morning to get to the sites to set up in the dark, the recreation and the flags and everything. And as I look at their schedule, I don't know how they do it. I just can't comprehend. Like, I'd be so exhausted. I'd be dragging. And they are pumped. They're excited. They have enthusiasm. And the reason that they can do that is for one thing is they're not doing it for those kids. Although they love those kids, they're not doing it for the paycheck. Even though they get paid, they're doing it because they have this enthusiasm for Jesus Christ. This enthusiasm because they have found their place. They've found their niche. They've found their place in his story. And when you are in that spot, everything else just fades away. And so that's what we'll see here in Paul. We've been following him, and when you would turn to your Bibles in Acts chapter 17, as we've been going through the book of Acts, we've made it to 17, and we see Paul is in his place in God's story. And that place has changed from town to town. That place has changed from situation and relationships to relationship. But that place is his sweet spot. That place is what God's called him to do, which is to go and be an evangelist. And we're going to see Paul's place in his story, these wind-shaped workers' place in his story, the Pollard's place in their story, and a guy named Jason's place in his story. And we're going to see everything in between. And so, if you have your Bibles, Acts 17, we'll go right in. Verse 1 says, When Paul and his companions had passed through Amphilios and Apollyana, uh, these are, okay, so, real quick, I'll tell you a little bit about those towns. I actually just listened to them, trying to get it right, because I always say the city's wrong, and Sarah, ever that correct, Sarah corrects me after first hour, she's like, you butchered that one. And so I just listened to it, and still butchered it, all right? But these cities are on a town, there's this Via Ignatia, and it is this road that the Romans have built along the seashore, and it is a, a way for them to be able to transport soldiers all around Rome. It is a way for them to be able to collect taxes and get taxes back to the city. Never in their wildest dreams would this road have been, it's a 20 foot wide road with paved stones that goes for 700 miles. Never would they have thought this is the road that would have allowed the gospel, the message of Jesus Christ to spread. But this is that road. This is where Paul is going from these cities. And so when they mention these cities, in case they just seem like random names, there's a reason. There's a reason for these cities. And it doesn't say that he stays here because God was leading him to Thessalonica. This is the city that we're going to get to. This is where we get the book of First and Second Thessalonians. And so this is where Paul is going. And if you remember from last week, he was in Philippi. And in Philippi, it didn't end well. In Philippi, he was beaten with a rod, and he was put in chains and locked up. And he was freed at night, but then he was sent out of the town right away. And so this is what I'm talking about, Paul's enthusiasm, Paul's passion, his excitement and his passion for Jesus Christ is that it lists these cities. And so we can see on this road, if, you're, if you get out a map, you can see he travels from this town to the next town to the next town to where God is leading him. He travels over 100 miles shortly after being beaten, shortly after being thrown in prison. And he does this because he's passionate about finding 
about following his place in God's story, about doing what God has called him, and God has sent him to Thessalonica. And so, beaten and sore, bruised from a beating with a rod, he travels this hundred miles. And it continues, they come to Thessalonica, where there was a Jewish synagogue. As was his custom, Paul went in the synagogue, synagogue, and on three Sabbath days, he reasoned with them from the scriptures. Remember, this is his usual thing when he comes to a town where there's a synagogue, because at least there's some background, there's some foundation that he can connect with the people of this Hebrew God, of this Yahweh, this singular God, and be able to start from there and tell them. And he begins to reason with them from the scriptures, from their scriptures. He meets them where they're at. I think this is a great example for us as, as we go and we try to witness to our neighbors, as we try to witness to our friends, meet them where they're at. We can't expect them to, to be five steps down the road. Sometimes we got to come back to step one and bring them with them. We have a, a team here from, from Delaware. I don't know if you guys know, there's a group that uh, all wore orange short shirts, which is great because I almost wore an orange shirt today, and that would have been awkward, all right? And so uh, we would have dressed the same. Uh, there's this group from Bethel, uh, Bethel Church, and they're from Delaware, and they're headed to Nashville. And so they were just, we're in the middle of the road, and middle of the path, and they are finding their place in his story. I'm excited because they're going and they're working in Nashville, and they're going to be meeting people where they're at. Not expecting them to be five steps down this path of salvation, <clears throat> but meeting them on whatever step that is and being able to witness and being able to share the love of Christ through them. And so uh, on behalf of Discovery, we're excited for you. We're going with you and we're, our hearts are for you guys. And we're excited that you guys have found your place in his story, as Paul has here as he comes to Thessalonica. In verse 3, he says, explaining and proving that the Messiah had to suffer and raise from the dead... This Jesus I'm proclaimed to you is the Messiah. This was a hang-up for many of the Jewish people. We read these verses and to understand the details that he has to explain to them that it's a suffering Messiah. They had pictured this Messiah was going to come and just be able to conquer, to be able to free them politically, to be able to free them, free them with military might. So it's a completely different concept to understand why is this, why is this Messiah going to suffer? Why would he suffer at all, but why would he suffer for me and for you? And so he explains to them from their scriptures that Christ has to suffer to bring this restoration. I got to think that he's going through the Old Testament scriptures. He's bringing these examples of what God had and then how it was led to despair and then how he restores it to, to greatness. That the people of Israel were in the bondage of Egypt's slaves as Egypt slaves and then he brings them out across the Red Sea. That maybe he shares the story of David and when his son Absalom is coming after him and, he's, and he has to flee and he's crying out to God and God restores him back to his place as king. That maybe even the city of Jerusalem, the great city of Jerusalem, that maybe Paul tells that story about how the city even had to collapse and then they came back and rebuilt those walls and rebuilt it. That there was restoration in this. And so he goes and he shares from the Old Testament and he brings it to new. And that there's a suffering Messiah that was great and he has to suffer to be renewed, to be restored, to restore the kingdom of God. Paul has to make this connection so they see that this also isn't just a physical restoration, but a spiritual one. That our hearts and our souls, that that verse, the Shema, 
that everyone would learn from Deuteronomy 6. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul, mind, and strength. That the strength is just one aspect of it. But that there has to be restoration of the heart and soul and mind. And so he goes and he teaches this for three straight weeks. And I, he says that he does this at the synagogue. But you know in between he's having meetings. He's meeting at the well. He's talking to people. People want to know more. They invite him over for dinner. They invite Silas. They invite Timothy. invite his, his whole team. And they are spreading this gospel around Thessalonica. And verse 4 says, Some of the Jews were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, as did a large number of God-fearing Greeks and quite a few prominent women. So this is the desirable response to their ministry, right? But we're also going to get the undesirable response, which they've met in every single town along this way. Verse 5, the other Jews were jealous. These are the prominent Jews. These are the leaders of the synagogue. And they're jealous that pride has snuck in. And, and Paul and Silas are bringing people away from, from their power, bringing people away from their influence, and bringing them to Jesus Christ, to pointing to looking to Jesus to be able to get to God instead of looking to these leaders of the synagogue. And so they rounded up some bad characters from the marketplace, and they formed a mob and started a riot in the city. They rushed to Jason's home in search of Paul and Silas, in order to bring them out to the crowd. So it's kind of ironic that these guys have this great zeal for God, and so they go get the riffraff from the town and create a mob, right? That doesn't exactly make sense, but, but that's their plan. And so they create this mob, and, and if you've ever seen mob violence, if you've seen the mob mentality, it's pretty scary. It's a group that's just angry. It's a group that's they're not even always sure what they're angry at, but they're able to get people that are upset about life, upset about government, upset about this or that, and gather them together, rally them to be upset and on one central cause, Paul and Silas. And so this angry mob goes to Jason's house. They bust down the door and they go in. But God knew this was coming. Paul and Silas, who had been staying there, are somewhere else in the city. Undercover. So verse 6 says, But when they did not find them, they dragged Jason and some of the other believers before the city officials, shouting, These men who have caused trouble all over the world have now come here. Another translation for this Greek word talking about coming, causing trouble in this world is turning this world upside down. What a great testimony! This angry mob of pagan people that are in the streets are, testi are testifying about the greatness of what Paul and Silas are doing. That these men have come and turned the world upside down for Jesus Christ. Wouldn't that be awesome? That was the testimony for us. That your neighbors could look at you and say, that guy, he's turning the world upside down for Jesus Christ. I know that lady, and every time I talk to her, I can see she's turning the world upside down for Jesus Christ. I know that student in my class, there's something different about them, and I see they're turning the world upside down for Jesus Christ. This angry mob is testifying to the, an amazing testimony of what Paul and Silas are doing. And verse 7 says, and then and Jason had welcomed them into his house. And they are all defying Caesar's decree, saying that there is another king, one called Jesus. So at this time, for us to hear another king called Jesus, we know he's the king. He's the king of his kingdom. But imagine you're a citizen at this time. 
This idea of another king, whew, it's a big deal. Just a hundred years before, there was a great civil war. There was a great civil war because uh, there's four different people that were trying to take over, uh, trying to take over the Roman kingdom. And so there's a civil war between these four vine, vine emperors, and finally one emperor wins. And this is just a hundred years before. And so the thought that there's another king is, is, great, is great controversy. The thought that there's another king is punishable. And so this culture... That's not something you want to joke about. That's not something you want to go down. You don't want to go down that road, the thought that, that someone's claiming to be another king. And so this is the charge that they try presenting to the leaders in Thessalonica. But it says, when they heard this, the crowd and city officials were thrown into turmoil. Then they made Jason and the others postpone and let them go. We don't know the backstory behind what they might have been talking about, the leaders in Thessalonica, but I, I got to wonder, Paul and Silas, right, they've been here for three weeks, and word has spread about their journey. Word has probably spread about what just happened in Philippi. And if you weren't here last week, or if you haven't read chapter 16, let me tell you real quick, they were captured in Philippi, they were beaten with a rod, they were thrown in prison, they were there all night, an earthquake came, freedom, they, Paul and Silas brought the jailer and his family to know Christ, they were baptized, they went back in jail that morning, and the leadership decided to free them, the leadership of Philippi. But Paul said, wait, wait, wait a second, I'm a Roman citizen. You had no right <clears throat> to bring a beating, you had no right to throw us in jail, you better come down here and free us yourself. And so this story has carried with them the hundred miles from Philippi to Thessalonica. And the story has spread, and now the leaders of Thessalonica know these guys are Roman citizens. These guys brought embarrassment to the leadership in Philippi. These guys will call us out. And so while Paul and Silas aren't under trial here, they, they got to th wonder, well, what if we mess with their companions? And so instead of throwing them in jail, instead of beating them, they simply give them a fine and they say that Paul can't come back. From the book of the first and second Thessalonians, we see that Paul can't go back to Thessalonica. And so he now will send Timothy as his messenger. And so verse 10 says that uh, later that night, they take, the, they take Paul and Silas, Timothy, and the gang, and they sneak them out of the town. So they were there, but God had guided them not to be in Jason's house. And they go on to the next town of Berea, which we'll look at next week. But as I come to the, the end of this little story of Thessalonica, I want to come back to a person that we very, know very little about, is Jason. As we just read it here this morning, you guys know about as much of Jason as I do. He's a guy that has a house, and he's willing to open it up. Maybe that first Sunday... That first Sabbath day that Paul and Silas are there speaking in the synagogue, Jason was in the front row. And just something caught him. And he wants to know more. And he follows Paul and Silas out that day, and, and he listens to them teach out by the well. And, and he would tell, hears them tell about Jesus. And he gives his life over. And he says to these strangers, these, these visitors, hey, do you have a place to stay? And they said, no, we don't. And he said, why don't you stay at my house tonight? And one night turns to two, and two nights turns to four, and turns to a week, and turns to another week, and turns to three weeks. And they've been staying at Jason's home, and Jason's soaking it up. Every moment that they're, that they're there, he wants to know more. Tell me more about this Jesus. Tell me more about how to live like him. 
I got to think Jason's family has been introduced to the gospel. Jason's family has probably come to accept the Lord. We know very little about Jason other than he was willing to open his house. We know very little about Jason other than he was willing to find his place in God's story. See, I like this in nine verses, and he's willing to get God, he goes into God's and he's proclaiming, he tells him about Jesus Christ, and he has this great depth of knowledge of the Old Testament scriptures, and he can bring out all these verses and remind, remind the people about how this points to the Messiah, how this means the Messiah is going to suffer. Let me tell you about the Messiah. He's going to be born of a virgin. Let me tell you, he's going to be born in Bethlehem. Let me tell you how he's going to live. Let me tell you how he's going to die and how he's going to raise again. And then let me tell you, all those scriptures point to Jesus. Let me tell you where Jesus was born, about Jesus' mom Mary, about that she was a virgin, about how Jesus lived, about the ministry he did, about the healing, about his death on the cross. Let me tell you about the empty tomb. And so we see Paul and we look up to him and think, man, that guy's got it. He has found his place in God's story. He can do great things. He was bold. I look at him and I think he probably had a good deep voice right? That's the thing that every time I hear this, I'm like, man, I bet that guy didn't sound like me. And so, and so I, we look at this, and we see Paul, and we just want to be like him. And we think, man, if I had his gifts, if I had his deep voice, if I had his boldness, if I had his wisdom, if I had all this, I could find my place in God's story. I'd go from town to town, and I'd witness. But then we see Jason, and I love having the two in this story. Jason had a home. That's all we know about him. Jason had a place, and he was willing to let people crash on his couch. Jason was willing to make some extra bread and feed his companions. And because of that, this town of Thessalonica came to know the Lord. Because of that, there are people that accepted Jesus. Because of that, it says that some Jews, many of the God-fearing Gentiles, and some prominent women came and accepted Jesus because Jason was willing to house them and let them stay there. Jason found his place in God's story. It wasn't flashy and bold. It wasn't full of great theology like Paul. It wasn't up front. It was in the back. And it didn't seek great recognition. It didn't get any, receive any recognition except for some persecution because of it. But it's what God had called him to do. A couple of weeks ago, we had a, a team from Discovery uh, go and do a local missions trip. And the first day, we worked with Habitat for Humanity, and we built a retaining wall. And I think we have a picture of the wall. Um, I think, do we? Maybe. We, have, we built a retaining wall at a house, and there's a lady that, she has three little girls and is pregnant with a fourth little boy. And this lady, it, it just excites me to think that those little kids, four little kids, are going to be playing on that wall. Four little kids are going to have a safe yard, that, the floor, that if rains come, mud's not going to wash into their home. Four little kids are going to be impacted by this. The next day, we went and helped out at a church in Elizabethton that had been flooded this past spring. It's a church, the average size is 26 people, and the minister told me that our average age is well over 70. There's no way we can even get the people downstairs, to let alone to clean out what's been damaged. And so we went down there, and we pulled everything out. And so much stuff was molded and ruined. We went in, and we took hoses into the bottom of the church, and we cleaned out about a half an inch of mud all throughout the bottom classrooms. 
little things. Did they seek great giant recognition? No. Would the world have thought that we did an amazing thing that we can know? But to that lady and her kids, we turned the world upside down. To that church that now has cleaner air and doesn't have the mold growing in their basement, we turned the world upside down. Found our place in his story. This church headed to Nashville is going to turn the world upside down this week. They found their place in his story. Paul, standing up front, proclaiming with a great wisdom, is turning the world upside down. And so is Jason. He's simply willing to open his home. He turned the world upside down for that town, that city of Thessalonica. And so all this comes to the end to where I ask, how can you turn the world upside down for God? How can you find your place in his story? How can you find that place and be so passionate, be so enthusiastic, like those wind-shaped workers like Paul who would walk a hundred miles after a beating? How can you be so excited to open your home to strangers because you know this is what God's leading you to do? What is it that God has put in your path in your life? We talk all the time about finding Jesus in your place in his story, and, and if you don't know what that is, if you don't know that place, I want to encourage you, come talk to me. Come talk to one of the leaders and, and we'll help you find that place because each of us have been designed for a purpose. That's to bring glory to God. So there's a lot of great opportunities to do that. Sometimes you're going to be a Paul. Sometimes you're going to be behind the scenes as a Jason. But both were needed for this town of Thessalonica to come to know the Lord you'll pray with me. God, we thank you for today. And I thank you that we have the chance to, to discover our place in your story. God, I pray that if there's someone here that doesn't know what that place is, that you put someone in their path to help them dis, dis, develop that, to discover that. God, for those of us in this room that know what that place is, give us that passion, that enthusiasm to go and be bold for you, to boldly speak for you, to boldly open our home for you, to boldly rock babies in the nursery for you, to boldly help at a nonprofit in Bristol for you, to boldly speak to our neighbor about you, to boldly love on a coworker for you. God, help us find your, your, our place in your story. God, we lift this up in your name.